0: Fast-growing companies need the right tools, so they choose NetSuite by Oracle. Get a full picture of your business, finance, inventory, HR, customers, and more, all in one place. Schedule your free product tour right now at netsuite.com earnings. That's netsuite.com earnings.
1: Welcome to Game Plan, a show
0: about our lives at work. I'm Francesca Levy, editor of the Game Plan section at Bloomberg. And I'm Rebecca Greenfield, a reporter at Bloomberg, where I cover workplace culture. This week, how group chat platforms like Slack are changing the way we
1: communicate at work Coming up in a little bit, we'll talk to Dana Evans, a reporter at New York Magazine who has a complicated relationship with Slack and group chat that she's written about extensively. She's going to explain to us how it is that an enterprise workplace software affected her life so much she wrote a personal essay about it. But first of all, let's, let's get out of the
0: way what group chat is. Becca, you want to give the basic description? Slack is group chat, and just from now on, there are lots of different group chats, but I think we're just going to use Slack as shorthand for all of them because it's a really popular, notable one. But, yeah, there are others like HipChat and Campfire, and all of them basically are just chat rooms where you hang out with your coworkers all day, and it's kind of a primary way of communicating with coworkers. And it's work-sanctioned, so it's kind of like your work email, but chat. Right, and you can email people one-on-one or
1: message people one-on-one through this app or talk to them in special rooms that are divided by department, or by team, or by project you're working on, or by anything you make up. Right? Like, you can make a, a Slack room for I don't know, talking about the Real Housewives of Atlanta. Is that a? Yeah, is that
0: one of the. Yeah, housewives? yeah, that's that is one of the Housewives, and probably a really popular Slack room. Yeah, I'd it, say. I don't know. I don't know how it rates against the other Real Housewives. <laughs> I mean, it depends on your taste, but you know, I'm you're an more Atlanta of, girl. I know. I I like an OC. I don't watch The Real Housewives anymore. Sure, sure. sure. Yeah, me neither.
1: Um, so, <laughs> so, but anyway, so what we're talking about here on its face doesn't sound that unusual or new, right? Like, it's chat rooms have been around since basically the dawn of the consumer internet. Like, when the internet was sort of commercialized in the mid, early, mid 90s, that's how people communicated on like
0: AOL chat rooms. Yeah, the, I think the only thing I did online as a young young kid online was check my email for I don't know what and then go to AOL chat rooms and pretend to be 18 years old which is (laughs) really strange. How old were you really? I was probably I don't know what what year do we think this was like 94. So yeah I was really I was like six to eight. (laughs) (laughs) Wow and you're pretending to be 18. Yeah I don't know I don't know what that says about like society but (laughs) so yeah these chat rooms are similar in form to the AOL right. chat room, but so different now, in function, I would say. So nobody's asking ASL because you know everybody and so the ASL means age, sex, location, right? A popular query on AOL chat rooms. So yeah, they are different than AOL chat rooms because it's very work related. I mean, it was made specifically for offices for work. So a lot of the conversations are about work, but then there are also a lot of conversations that aren't about work which is kind of why it's gotten so popular and why people like using it so much.
1: Right. So like all of these companies came into this space kind of at a time when the modern office was ripe for like a new way of communicating, would you say? Yeah, I think the word
0: you're looking for is disruption. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> just be- I wasn't looking for it, but it found me. <laughs> it found you. Yeah. I mean, like everyone hates email. It's like a thing people love to hate. I yeah, let's know. talk about that a little bit because I I, I feel like
1: the idea of an enterprise workplace chat room feels new or had such room to take off the way it has is because we'd reached a tipping point with how much we seem to hate email which once was supposed to be the solution to all our problems right before email we i don't know, before email we just grunted at each other
0: there's nothing before email obviously yeah that That were plugged into walls. yeah yeah people spend more and more of their time at work at email one stat i found was that people spend 13 hours a week out of their 40 hour work week answering emails it's like not very fun that's a shocking number yeah
1: of hours to spend that's like all the waking hours in one day so If you spend five days at work a week, one of those is consumed by email.
0: Maybe if we had no email at work, we could argue for a four-day work week since we spend a whole day answering email, maybe. But then how would we (laughs) communicate with all of our colleagues
1: who work from home or in offices abroad? Slack,
0: <laughs> no, uh-huh. but but yeah. So email is just. I don't think that I have a troubled relationship with email. I again have said that I am not. You're just not troubled enough. enough. By, you're <laughs> not get. troubled by not responding to emails, right? I, I guess I'm rude. I just don't answer emails. I just I use it kind of like how you know I use it for what I want to use it for. I have
1: a troubled relationship with email, and I also don't answer emails. But then I'm plagued with guilt
0: Mm. about it Mm. that must be hard (laughs) (laughs) so yeah Slack kind of came along and was like here's a much more casual way to communicate with your coworkers the conversations tend to be way more casual it's a lot easier there's some fun integrated into Slack there's like a very simple command for putting in GIFs or GIFs whatever you prefer is correct (laughs) 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 and so that kind of makes the conversations very informal it replaces a lot of annoying type of email. I I think like it doesn't replace email completely, but kind of the annoying like just checking in on something email which is can be like an annoyance and turn into right. a monster very quickly. And then also because it's way more fun than an email which has kind of become a very formalized form of communication, people really gravitated.
1: Right. It, it, like when we talk about it being fun compared to email, I think if you've never never worked on a chat platform at work or on Slack, you might not know what we mean but it it's sort of like designed in the language of the internet like it's just kind of easier to communicate in the way that you might normally like send somebody a text or tweet something and the yeah, interface very is natural. set up for
0: that it's very natural it's more like talking and that's another thing about slack it has also in addition to being a sort of email replacement it's a kind of a meeting replacement another like much hated part of office life like people hate going to pointless meetings where everybody's just kind of performing so now you have a lot of these conversations on slack
1: so give me a sense of the growth because we're not now talking about something that's really even that niche anymore
0: yeah no it it grew from 120,000 users 2 years ago to like millions of people Logging in today, I see tons of people on their phones using Slack out and about in New York City all the time.
1: And it isn't just—it's not just a couple of industries
0: using it now. It's spreading. Yeah. More so mainstream, right? Tech, media, startups, NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory is on Slack. How uh, do you know that? It's been reported. <laughs> I thought maybe you Slack. Were, Slack you champions were them. With some astronauts. Yeah. No, Slack. I mean, Slack loves championing this great get for them because it shows that like this isn't just something for like a bunch of young tech bros. This is something that's useful for office life of any kind. So it's a
1: real phenomenon, and it came about as a way of solving a lot of the, infici- a lot of the efficiency and communication problems that everybody was having at work. And
0: has it done that? <laughs> so obviously not. <laughs> There is a slacklash that has started. Slacklash being a term that you coined. I believe so. I believe I coined it. And I wrote a piece back in January that was titled, You're About to Hate Slack As Much As You Hate Email. And just kind of made the point that this communication at work is fraught and stressful. And it, and it's starting to stress people out. I find it very stressful posting in these group platforms all the time like I have a lot of like social anxiety about what I post (laughs) inside a slack chat room and like who's responding and who's not and like I don't really want to have to think about that at work when I have a million other things going on like that is a productivity suck like my anxiety is sucking up my productivity
1: and there's another downside which is that you can forget because it's so easy to type in a slack message or a stupid joke that you might not make in a more polished context it's easy to forget that everything that you write is on the record and your employer knows about it and it's going to live forever, even if it feels really temporal. And actually, if you don't believe me, let's listen to an example of kind of the worst case scenario of that.
0: And what is a campfire transcript? Campfire is a um, chat tool.
1: And then if we go down, just skipping the middle section, there's an entry by Kate B. Mm -hmm. It says, you guys don't even know how good this Hulk Hogan tape is, F Megan
0: Fox. And then Max R replies, Hulk Hogan, F-U-C-K is Megan Fox. Sorry, I don't really like to say the the words on the record. (laughs) Um,
1: And then Katie W says, she wishes, he gets really tender at the end, a really tender leg drop. Do you know what that's a reference to? It's the extension of a joke about uh, um, the joke is I can I'll explain. The joke. Sure, yeah, okay. So what you just heard was the an editor at the website Gawker explaining to a lawyer who appears to have very little sense of humor <laughs> what he meant and his colleagues meant months or even years earlier when they were discussing on Campfire, one of these group chat platforms, a sex tape that they were about to release featuring the former professional wrestler Hulk Hogan. Um, And this is a court case, highly publicized court case, where the Hulk was suing Gawker for releasing the sex tape. And I don't think any of the people who were making these blue jokes (laughs) in Campfire ever expected to hear them mentioned again, let alone read aloud in open court by their (laughs) editor.
0: Yeah, when you I so I've read the transcripts of their chats because they're part of evidence, and it's just like all jokes left and right, jokes. Everybody's just joking about Hulk Hogan's penis and the tender leg drop <laughs> joke, and yeah, using a lot of slang. And it's very clear that, I mean, for most people, this wouldn't even look like a appropriate workplace conversation. Right. I think Gawker is kind of
1: known for an edgier style, and I think probably even in the newsroom, its employees
0: speak a little more freely than some other workplaces. Yeah, and this is like obviously like the most casual form of their communications and like you said, there's no way they thought they'd ever see those again. I think in these chat platforms you feel like it's like disappears once you type it like because it's like literally a feed that like scrolls up. Yeah, it's gone, but it's obviously not. Yes, you are supposed to never, I've been told by lawyers never type in anything type or write anything you wouldn't want on the front page of the New York Times, which I feel like is a bit of a dated like guideline. <laughs> right. Like maybe, maybe it's like, on the front page of Gawker, yeah, or like viral it. tweet, <laughs> or
1: like. But that's the thing. Like it seems like we have to relearn this with every new technology. Like we're, most people are pretty savvy about incorporating that advice when it comes to sending an email. You wouldn't, if you have to have a conversation that's kind of sensitive. You know, you should probably have it over the phone or in person and not over email. But for some reason, because Slack is new, because it feels kind of off the grid or fun or social, people just don't have the same relationship to it that they do with email.
0: Yeah. Email used to be fun. When it first entered offices, people gossiped and made jokes. And then when I think people started getting in trouble for these things and it became more like formalized in the workplace, it became this more formal, boring, strictly work-related tool part of why we hate it so much. and But Slack is so new and the behavior seems so casual. It's like something has to have
1: been publicly subpoenaed in a hundred court cases <laughs> before. Like we've all heard of court cases that feature email transcripts. And our presidential campaign, one of the main issues swirling around that is Hillary Clinton's emails and what they say and to whom they were sent. And You know, the idea that I mean, yes, of course, people keep making mistakes on emails, but it's like this is the first example of the sort of clinical examination of a group chat of a campfire transcript that we're kind of used to seeing. This is the first high-profile example of that kind of treatment of a group chat transcript. Yeah. Uh, then, and, you
0: know. With government agencies now starting to use Slack, like, their stuff can be foia This is, it's work, it's work chat, but all of us are so guilty. You know, it's like we're talking to our friends. Right. And... That kind of
1: confusion between how to treat Slack, whether it's a work thing or a personal thing, is something that is very much on the mind of our guest. So I think it's a great time to introduce her, Dana Evans. She's a writer for New York Magazine. And uh, back in January, she wrote an article called, Are My Coworkers Slacking Off Without Me? Dana, we're very happy to have you here. What do you think of how we described Slack? Did we basically
2: get it right? Yeah. I mean, I think that that really covers it. That's the basis of the article is like it makes work seem fun, which I think is good and bad. What is
1: your current relationship status with Slack?
2: I'd say it's complicated. <laughs> I try now, I think for a while, you know, I started at New York Magazine almost a year ago now, and I think that when you first start, it's sort of a process of like getting to know how a company uses it and feeling comfortable because it's I think it varies at every place that you work. So it's kind of like knowing what the company politics are, and I think now our Slack channel, especially at the cut, which is where I work at New York Magazine, we have kind of two separate channels, one specifically for, like, very uh, straightforward work stuff, and then a second one that is only fun. So it's kind of like knowing where to balance, like, you know, how much time you spend in the fun slack and how much time you spend in the work slack and also how much time you spend completely away from it, which I think is really valuable. Do you feel like group chat reveals...
1: Kind of the people who are having a little bit too much fun, like just like there is the person who like spends too much time hanging out talking to people. There's like probably the person who spends way too much time in the fun cut. Yeah,
2: absolutely. I think that that's that's like what's funny about it, though, because I think it also varies like over, you know, it changes over time. There's definitely always going to be the person who like is really good at multitasking and can be slacking all day and also working or that's what you think is going on anyway. But, and then there's the people who never come into the conversation at all. But there's always the one person who's just like, does this person do anything all day at all? Or are they just like constantly talking?
0: So, how, how are
2: you splitting your time? Like, what, how are you using Slack? for me, I think, especially at my old job, I was really adamant about having one day where I didn't go into Slack at all, because I feel like, especially in writing, it's so distracting to constantly having notifications coming up. And now I I kind of, I'm a little bit more like self-monitoring. So I, I try to have, you know, mornings off from it if I can possibly, like, if I can, you know, focus on writing stuff. But in general, I keep it minimized and my notifications aren't like, you know, they don't pop up. It's so it's like, I have to actually go in and check it to see if something is you know happening but in terms of like the fun stuff it's hard to say like some days you just wake up and you really don't feel like being a productive person I guess and it's so easy to just kind of give in to the the available fun chat I guess and so on those days I I try to like remember it this is like also a job and I have to actually do things for my job so
0: yeah it's interesting that you bring up that you have to monitor your Slack behavior. Cause we've been talking about how much people love Slack, but there's obviously this darker <laughs> yeah. side. Yeah. And again, it's almost as if Slack has made our work lives a little bit more complicated. Like there is now right. just like another way to communicate with people. And before we get into some of those more complicated feelings on Slack, we're gonna hear from some other office workers about their feelings with Office Chat.
1: Slack sucks. I love Slack, but I also hate Slack. I'm distracted a lot by it. Uh, I enjoy using Slack. It might actually encourage negative vices from me.
2: So it can be a little bit distracting at times, because you kind of want to be able to catch up on every single channel, but you generally can't if you're busy (laughs) working on projects.
1: Like when you're in a Slack group, everything's very instant, which I feel like I'm part of a conversation as opposed to an email thread that kind of will come out of order or it'll not reply to the most recent one, but it'll reply to four behind. So you're kind of pulling together threads of information from different threads of emails. When there was just too many notifications and being part of too many channels and setting those notifications to
0: like always notify me no matter what. Okay, so let's talk a little bit more about what Slack FOMO is exactly. Can you define it a bit for us, Dana?
2: Yeah, I think because, like I said, like Slack makes work seem fun on days off, or like, like I said, I have these days where I try to really bunker down and focus on one piece and not be in Slack at all. You sort of miss the goofy conversations you're having with your coworkers. Even if you're not particularly close with your coworkers, it's just fun to like – be talking about personal stuff that you probably would never actually broach with a lot of people that you work with so it's kind of like the FOMO aspect comes in when you realize oh like I took the afternoon off and maybe Beyonce's record came out or whatever it is like that you would normally be talking about and it's like you weren't there for any of that conversation and you feel kind of like oh my friends had a really fun day and I wasn't there for it even though It's literally work, and that's essentially what the product is for.
0: Do you think you're kind of upset about missing out because part of having fun at work is part of my job?
2: Yeah. I think Slack makes you a little bit delusional about what work is. And I think that inevitably, you're supposed to be using this tool for productivity, but Oftentimes I find myself in these conversations where it's like we're having so much fun talking about this thing that like no work happens for like an hour and I think that that is the thing that you end up missing because you you're maybe you're gone to do actual work.
1: <laughs> you you write in your piece, uh Slack, on the other hand, makes a simple DM from your boss at nine PM on a Thursday seem less threatening. Oh, I'll just answer her question now, you think, so she believes I'm still at this party, though I left a long time ago for a different, better one. The different better party is subsequently your real life. <laughs>
2: right, exactly, um, exactly.
1: I'm mean i've just it's so hard for me to imagine any other context where where we would talk about work where we would use a party as a metaphor for work
2: right yeah absolutely but i think that even that like the sort of the dm aspect of it and and hearing from your editors and your bosses all the time i think is like it really it, it makes everything seem so normalized like oh yeah of course i would respond to this thing and like i said at you know 9 p.m or whatever but you forget that this is an actual work transaction that's happening. And, and sometimes that like, I, you know, when I do get DMs like that, maybe I'm at a bar. Or maybe I'm, you know, I, I'm doing something that like, probably I should take some time to think about responding before I just shoot something off. But I think it's it makes everything so casual that it seems like, oh, it's not a big deal to respond how I want to respond. So you'd be now.
1: less likely to send an email to your boss from a bar. Then yeah, exactly. To
2: a slack right, because it just seems so impersonal, just to be like, oh, this is just, you know, chat. I'm just talking to her as if I'm talking to her in person. But it seems like you, you, even though you know it's wrong to get that <laughs>
0: DM at 9 p.m., you seem to be okay with it in some ways. And but there are some people who I think are a little bit angry about that. And there's been a little bit of a slacklash building in the last six months there have been a bunch of articles, people talking about notification overload, that actually it's worse than email because you can send these messages all the time, all day. But you seem to have a pretty good relationship, a good balance.
2: I would say I try. I don't know if I definitely adhere to the things that I'm saying that I actually take time away from it. But I think, you know, especially with this sort of like all day aspect, it really makes you feel like you work 24 hours a day and yet you're sort of available 24 hours a day. And I think, actually remembering. Because I I think I'm self-limiting because I know I have terrible ADD. And like if I actually pay attention to those notifications all day, I will get nothing done. So it's I think the way I manage it is being able to have a block of time where I know that I'm not allowed even to say anything in Slack work or not work. Yeah, that's really impressive. (laughs) Thank you. So to get to the bottom of all this, Dana, Slack, is it the end of productivity at work, or is it the answer to all our problems? That's a, I. I feel like we're not there yet. I think that the what will happen at least in the next year or so, as as you know, it grows astronomically as it had, is people will really start to figure out how to use Slack to their advantage. Whereas right now, it's a total free for all. I feel, and I think that companies are going to start doing. You know, with the Gawker hogan trial, it was like, oh, this is actually we need to be thinking about how we're using this this platform. And I think. It will start to get to a point where there's going to be a lot more slimming down of how we use it. We'll still use it as a chat platform and it will allow us to to speak more freely with our coworkers, but I think in a way that is a little bit more professional, I guess, if that's the right word to use. I don't even know if you can use that word with Slack, but feeling like it's a place where it's actually aiding us as opposed to setting us back.
0: That's, That's a good point. We tend to blame technology for all of our work problems and productivity issues. But like we really need to figure out how to use these things to our advantage. And, you know, even Slack recognizes that it has a long way to go and released this winter a do not disturb feature so that when people shouldn't be on Slack or when they don't really want to be on Slack, they can just kind of turn it off and not get the notifications, which is just like one tiny step toward like not being connected all the time. So Slack is recognizing
1: human nature. We're basically always going to find a way to goof off if there
0: is one. Amen. Thanks for talking to us about Slack, Dana. Before we go, we're going to dig into the archives. Here's an excerpt from an article. The manager is hunched over his terminal, squinting at the screen. Then comes a little chuckle, a rapid-fire series of keystrokes. He hits the send button, and the scene is repeated by another manager across the room. The exchange is quick and utterly invisible. It is part of a system that is quietly damaging many corporate enterprises from within.
1: Well, that is clearly an article about group chat written <laughs> yeah. within the past year or so, right, Becca?
0: So this article is from The Washington Post in 1991, and the writer is talking about the problem— he talks about, is instantaneous email. It's a great time waster. After all, he says, it is fun to share secrets, tell jokes, flirt, complain about fellow workers' peccadillos, especially if you can't get caught, which is just exactly what people do on group chat now. Yeah, But it's really great to see how people thought about email when it first came out. People, obviously, workers thought it was fun. Probably the biggest difference
1: is that That last bit, especially if you can't get caught, the lack of awareness that people in 1991 probably had about how easy it was to, you know, or or would become for your employer to peek in at what you're doing or for, you know, opposing counsel to depose the records of what you said. I wonder what kind of crazy things were said in 1991 if there really were an atmosphere where people thought, like, no one has any way of knowing right, what what right. I said in this email, where even now, like, there's some voice in the back of our head when we're typing some totally not work-appropriate thing into Slack that's
0: telling us, Someone could probably read this. But even it's kind of like this guy says email's ruining the office, but none of us could live our work lives without email. right.
2: Well, I wonder, maybe this is naive, but what, what was it like before email then? Like, what would you do? Just talk in person the <laughs> yeah. entire time?
1: And <laughs> I, I, I mean, I think work got done within a much smaller sphere. I think that, I mean, it's a conversation about globalization and everything else, but you just worked with a smaller group of people. You work right. with the people who are around you. You either talk to them in person or you you know made a long distance phone call.
0: Yeah, and some of the other old articles I was looking at, they talk about phones the way we now talk about email. Where, like, the phone was, ugh, (laughs) I hate it, it's ruining my work life.
2: (laughs) That's so funny.
0: But now, you know, we rarely pick up the phone and hate email, and Slack is the the future. Why can't you just Slack me the, the answer to my simple question? Yeah. Great, well, thank you so much for joining us today on Game Plan, Dana. Thank you for having me. And uh, you guys can read more of our work life coverage over at Bloomberg.com and check us out on Twitter. I'm at RZ Greenfield. I'm at Francesca today. And Dana is at Dana, D A Y N A Evans, underscore. See you next week. Woo! All Energy. Right. Okay. G fun times usa ready okay